for this morning, Judges chapter 4. And in Judges chapter 4, we'll begin reading in verse 1. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dealt in Herosheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. And she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinoam, out of Kadesh Naphtali, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulun? And I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thine hand. And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor. For the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today, and I thank you for uh, each one here, and for those who are here with us on the live streaming. And, and God, our need is always is you. Uh, we need you to speak to our hearts from your word, and, and to draw us closer to you. We're thankful to celebrate uh, Mother's Day, and uh, we are thankful for godly mothers, and and uh, the responsibility that you have given them to, to, to uh, oversee the home. And God, it's a, it's a challenge. It takes your strength and your grace. And I pray that, that not only mothers, but that all would be helped here by your word as we consider the courage that you put in your prophetess heart, Deborah. And Father... Uh, I thank you for the accounts of, of her and so many others in the Bible whose lives were strengthened and helped by you uh, to do what they needed to, needed to do. And, uh, Father, please fill me with your spirit and help me ministering the word to your church this morning. Please uh, fill my dear wife with your spirit, laying the message in sign. Uh, be with uh, Sister Lindsay watching the children and Fill you with your spirit. Thank you for the services already in the Sunday school hour and the word that went forth and help us, Lord, to apply that to our hearts and lives. And, and Father, help us to be careful to thank you and praise you 
Lord, for we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to say happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are here. And we are honored that uh, you're here with us this morning. We have some roses back there. Uh, please take one or two on your way out. And, uh, and uh, just as a thought, appreciation to acknowledge uh, uh, the blessing that mothers are. Amen. And, uh, and how our land <laughs> needs uh, godly mothers. Uh, I tell you, uh, and Deborah uh, calls herself a, uh, a, a, a mother uh, in Israel. And uh, uh, and so we see some things about about Deborah about Deborah that uh, uh, that we can apply uh, apply uh, to mothers, and, uh, and and seeing those uh, we can we learn from them also ourselves. Uh, it was a time here of great oppression. Of course, we know the time of the judges. Israel would walk with God for a while, disobey. Uh, God would have to chasten them through uh, their enemies, the roundabout. They would become uh, captive to those enemies and be under oppression as here. Cry out to God and God would deliver them and round and round we go. You know? uh, some Christians are like that in their lives. You know, They sin and confess and sin and confess and sin and confess. And, and uh, nothing wrong with that as long as it's not the same sin. Amen. Uh, you're, supposed to, you're supposed to go forward. Amen. And, uh, and so we want to be growing uh, in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So uh, certainly this is a day when we need mothers like Deborah. I've entitled the message this morning, A Day for Deborahs, A Day for Deborahs. And I hope it will be encouraging and, uh, and uh, challenging uh, to mothers. I hope it will be a help to them. First of all, number one, we consider the agony of severe oppression. Uh, number one, the agony of severe oppression. Uh, it was a time of, of great oppression by the enemies, Judges chapter 4 there, uh, and, uh, and, and verse 3. Uh, the, this enemy had 900 chariots of iron, and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And some uh, uh, perhaps believe this perhaps might have been the mightiest oppression uh, that, that they had felt or been under dur during those times. The Bible certainly uh, seems that it was, uh, puts it forth as a, great, uh, as a great oppression. And I want us to realize that, that our children are under great oppression today. And we are seeing that uh, uh, throughout our land. I was reading something that was very sad, uh, disturbing. Uh, from 1999 through 2015, 1,309 children ages 5 to 12 took their own lives in the United States, according to the CDC. Uh, how sad that is. And that means... <coughs> that one child under 13 died of suicide nearly every five days on average uh, over those 17 years. And the frequency became even higher toward the, ends of the end of those years, 2013 to 2015. It was once every three and a half days. There was a rise in 54% spike in suicides of 11 and 12-year-olds. Uh, compared to the three years prior. And this, the CDC says that there's a rise in suicide rates also between 10 and 14 now. These are just children, pretty much babes, and uh, taking their own lives. Uh, I want to tell you, that's oppression, isn't it? There's, an, there's a great oppression there. Children need godly parents, and especially uh, godly moms, uh, in, in leading them to the Lord, in teaching them the things of the Lord. The fact is, the training ground for children is not the schools. <laughs> the training ground for children is not even the church. Okay? The Bible says the training ground for children is the home. That's where we need the, that's where we need the revival at. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, Honor thy father and thy mother. There it is. <laughs> 
that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So we see very clearly the training ground is in the home. Uh, that is confirmed throughout the scripture. Proverbs 1.8 My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Proverbs 6.20 My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Proverbs 23, 22. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. We see that time and again. On many occasions a day, Mother's Day, Proverbs 31 has been preached, and... Uh, Proverbs 31 begins the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. <laughs> that his mother taught him. Uh, the Bible says that, uh, that, that young women are to be keepers at home. That means they, the, the husband needs to set the course of direction for the home and the wife has the hands-on job of helping the children to walk in that. And to learn the things of God. So she has really, in, in a sense, a greater impact than the husband does in many ways. Because she's right there with those children face to face every day. And we need to pray for moms, amen. Because it is a hard job. It is a job that takes the power of God. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he'll not depart from it. He'll remember that teaching. He'll be convicted when he goes away from it. Encouraged if he will yield to it. Uh, be held responsible for it by God. Uh, if they're taught by a, God, by, God, by a godly mother, by godly parents. The home has been under satanic attack, by the way, since the beginning. <laughs> it didn't start here. It started in the Garden of Eden. Verse 1, chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yet God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. What is Satan doing through the serpent there? He's lying to Eve. He, by the way, is the father of lies. And, uh, and, uh, and, and Eve is, is, is buying the, uh, the goods. And uh, she is deceived. Uh, Adam was not deceived. He willfully at that point chose to love his wife over God and chose to eat with her rather than have her die and him be without her apparently. But both sinned. Both sinned. And so the devil got his way. And, uh, and we have that fallen nature within us. And uh, uh, the devil was, was wise in his, uh, in his subtle wisdom uh, to attack the race before the children came. Uh, thus uh, making the whole race fall. Uh, it's so important, rearing children. Uh, we've all uh, read that uh, the Catholic Church or, uh, is, is accredited for it in one place. We've, we've all heard the saying, give me a child until he, until he is of age seven and I will show you the man. In other words, just let me have your child. For the first seven years, his character will be established. Who is going to be? Wow. That's been credited to, uh, to the Jesuit priests in the Catholic Church, been credited to Aristotle and multiple other ones. But the fact is, it's an awesome thing to consider. That's why God wants godly homes. Amen. Amen. And uh, we won't have a church without godly homes. And we won't have a nation without godly churches. Amen. Amen. 
And we need to be, uh, be, be strong in that order and, uh, and be the people that God wants us to be. An educator, my wife and I were once talking to, said that he believed the cure for many of the ills that plague our youth is that we need to get them to question their parents. He said many of the students fail to do this and miss out on the benefits of other perspectives. <laughs> there's a whole lot of other perspectives out there I want to miss out on, okay? <laughs> and by the way, there's a whole lot of them I want my children and my grandchildren to miss out on, amen? I thought about that, I, that thought. It would be better that the ch parents, the children wouldn't obey, wouldn't obey onto their parents. We just read something different about that, didn't we? We were commanded the opposite, weren't we? Wouldn't it be better for the child to, uh, to remain obedient and trusting and for the parent uh, to become a godly parent, submitted to the will of God, and that the child would obey their parent and honor them in that way? Wouldn't that be better for the child? Amen. And that's what we need, amen. That's what we need. Because God's word won't lead them astray. God's word will prepare them for this oppressive time. Uh, Deborah was immersed in the word of God. And uh, God was using her. We'll go on, I'm getting ahead of myself. But they'll learn about Christ, they'll be okay. They, they know Christ, they'll be okay. See, in our homes, we need to lead the children to Christ at a young age, and the spirit in them will bear witness to the truth as we teach the word of God. You see that? John 7, 16 and 17. Jesus says, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Jesus spoke the words of God, and Jesus did the works of God. My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man, here it is, will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Better for our children to obey us blindly and to hear the word of God from our mouths and do that doctrine and apply that doctrine and they will receive it and be changed and they'll know that that came from God. Amen? Amen. We can't take the responsibility off the shoulders where God's put them, amen. It's on mom and dad. And mom is the one with that face-to-face -face contact, day in and day out. Pray for mothers for that strength. It's a day for Deborah's because of the agony and severe oppression. I think about kids going out today. There are people trying to tell them that they, that they, that they get to choose uh, what sex they will be. They get to choose whether they'll, be, whether they'll be a man or a woman or something else. My Bible is in the beginning, God created them what? And there's only two, male and female, amen? That's it. That's it. And our mothers today are sending children out into this world with that kind of a burden to face. Don't we need godly mothers? Don't they need the strength? I mean, Deborah realized, I think she was kind of wishing that some men had stepped up. Uh, as you read the whole passage. Thank God she was a godly woman. And thank God for godly women who step up and do what God wants them to do. Amen. Uh, they can be a challenge uh, to men when, when we fall back. Uh, but what a hard time. And we need to be praying. Praying for mothers. Secondly, let's consider. Uh, secondly, let's consider. The answer is a scriptural confession. And I'm talking about uh, Deborah's life. Uh, Hebrews talks about those who witnessed a good confession. Talking about their life being a witness. 
Verse 4, Deborah was a prophetess. A prophetess. She was in the word of God. Uh, verse 5, she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah, and the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. So she judged Israel. Uh, that was God's chosen means to rule Israel, by the way. He, kings was their choice. Uh, he had told Moses they would set up judges over them. Uh, but uh, she immersed herself in the word of God. She had wisdom and counsel to help people and, uh, and to, make, to help them make the wise, wise decisions in their lives. She walked with God, and God gave her divine revelation as here, as what Israel ought to do. And we think about that. She dwelt under the palm tree of, uh, of uh, Deborah. In, in, in the East, it, it was a custom to deal, to deal with judicial matters in, in, in open-air places. Uh, the gates of the city were a place where they'd do business and they, they, would, they would adjudicate uh, cases or, or disagreements and, uh, and, and make things right, supposedly, uh, is where it was supposed to happen. Well, when they talked to Deborah, that was happening, amen? And she was telling them what was right and giving them, giving them, that, giving them that, that wisdom. Her name had become uh, so famous and the, and the counsel that she gave that, that Israel would come to her. Why? Because she walked with God. Remember what the kings uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar saying about Daniel? A, you know, an excellent spirit is in him. Same spirit in Deborah. <laughs> Same Holy Spirit. And people recognized that. And they came to her uh, for that. Uh, <clears throat> Hath not the Lord commanded? Uh, she's in, she is putting forth the word of God. What God has commanded. That's what our children need to hear, amen, from mothers who've learned it, what God has, has commanded for them. Uh, mothers and fathers who will obey uh, the commands uh, of the Lord. She says in verse 6, uh, Hath not the Lord of God of Israel commanded, saying, Go, and she gives them the instructions that he'd given her. Many parents have been uh, left, have left the rearing of the children to educators today. Uh, the psychology of the secular intellectuals is contrary and hostile to the word of God and we're seeing the destructive nature of that teaching in our youth today by the way I think that's where the depression and all the, the suicide stuff comes from God is what? the God of all comfort he's the God that gives peace amen that's right. and without him uh, you, you, you can't there, there is no cure for those things He's the one who will give us peace if we'll come to him. Uh, parents today are buying the line that our children are basically good at heart. <laughs> and if we are careful to teach them to love themselves and build up their self-esteem, all will be well. <laughs> Secular educators today tell us that the rebellion we see in children is due in part to the archaic concepts of morality and discipline which their parents hold. <laughs> That'd be parents like you and I here in this room. <laughs> They're saying, that, they're saying what God said is good is actually a detriment. By the way, I'm just telling you what's happening, okay? This is what we're seeing in our land. This is what mothers are faced with in, in, as, as, those children go, as those children go out. Uh, if you look at the youth culture today, they are very angry and depressed. Think about the music they listen to. Think about the movies they watch on TV. Think about the video games that they play. <laughs> I'd be depressed too if, if, I, if we were watching those things. We'd all be probably suicidal. Is it any wonder? You see why? Because we all have a self-destructive nature. Brother Chris was talking on that this morning. It's not just school lesson. We have a me first nature. Everyone, our, yes, that little angel was born with it, okay? A me first attitude. Pride cometh before what? Destruction. A fall in high, in high spirit, yeah. But pride cometh before destruction. High spirit for a fall. That's, destruction's not good, folks. 
You see, that spirit of pride has to be revealed to your child, what? Through the scriptures, amen? You've got to go to the scriptures and show them that they've sinned against God and that God is angry at sin and sinners who willfully continue in that sin. They've offended God as you have and I have. And they need to know the answer for that, amen? And the answer for that is who? Jesus Christ, amen? Is Jesus Christ. And to be led to Jesus, to faith in Jesus, to faith in Jesus Christ. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit for a fall. I mentioned that, and it switches it around too. Uh, before des- before before destruction, uh, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. We have to learn, our children have to learn that they need God's forgiveness. They're sinners by nature. They need to be humbled in that truth, amen, as, as you were before you got saved. You say, well, I wasn't humbled, then you weren't saved, <laughs> okay? Uh, you didn't fall at your feet, in your heart at least, realizing your need to be forgiven and saved. Uh, you missed it, <laughs> Okay? Jesus is the Savior. He does the saving. Amen. I call out the lifeguard. I'm drowning on the beach. I don't expect him to try to give me swimming lessons on the way in. Okay? I need somebody to get me to the shore. Amen? That's what Jesus does. He's a Savior. He's a Savior. Uh, Hath not the Lord commanded. A couple things about that. Hath not the Lord commanded discipline? Have me commanded discipline. Uh, Ephesians 6 4. We are to what? We are to bring up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The nurtured admonition of the Lord. Nurture has the idea of chastisement, has the idea of reproof, and here it is punishment. Punishment. Uh, Cultivating that word nurture, correcting mistakes, and curbing passions. Uh, chastening, which God visits upon men for their amendment or for their good. This is part of rearing children in a godly manner. You know where I'm going. Children need a spanking sometimes. I didn't say that. God did. Amen. I don't care how many psychologists or psychiatrists in the world try to deny God's word. You go astray from God's word, the direction, the destination is not a good one. Okay? It's not a good one. There are times they need that. I was reading a, 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 this blog on spanking and some of the... Some of the what they were saying for and against it here was one against it no parent should spank their children spanking is something from the past that is no longer acceptable many of today's adults were raised in homes where spanking was allowed and practiced today's children are different that's for sure and you know my heart breaks for him because it's mom and dad's fault first. Many of these children are different. They are less naive and less accepting of total authority. Did you get that? In other words, our children are far more uh, advanced than they used to be. Now they know more about worldly things and all that stuff that's going on. And by the way, they know that they really to be to be you know to be questionable of all authority. Well, that sounds a lot better, doesn't it? <laughs> they try to word it in such a way that, uh, but, but you see the spirit behind it. Today's children demand the same rights as the adults in their families uh, and, would, and, would, and would not accept the spanking. Time out, grounding, or the loss of a privilege are today's acceptable forms of punishment. Proverbs 33, or 23.13 Withhold not correction from the child. 
I wonder what God meant by that. Let's read on in that very verse. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Oops, God didn't leave that blank, did he? <laughs> thou shalt beat him with a rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. That's about our children. And by the way, don't ever beat children in anger. If you have an anger problem, you have no, you have no uh, business picking up a paddle or turning your child over your knee. No business. But when you love them and in temperance, you do that in love and the Spirit of God in that calmness that God gives, knowing they need what God says they need. Then God can use it. Then God can use it. You say, well, preacher, now according to what they say, that paddling stuff being archaic, you know, it really isn't repeat, uh, repeated in the New Testament about, pa about paddling. Well, that's true. But let's look at how God corrects and let's just try to discern from the, what we do have in the New Testament to see if God still wants us to paddle just like he said in the Old, in the old, in the old Testament. Because God chastens too, doesn't he? Uh, he was very clear in Proverbs we just read. Uh, well, let me, let me read Proverbs 13, 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Chastening, defined in the, in the verse, using the paddle or, 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 as a part of love. How does God chasten? You think God still wants us to chasten that way today? Well, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, some people in the church had been, had been uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper, but they had been doing it in an ungodly way. They'd, have a, they'd invite anybody in, have a big old dinner, just bring what you have. You know, the poor would bring his you know, dry, dry bread and breadcrumbs, and, and, uh, and the rich would be, would be there with the, eating their turkey, whatever they, whatever they eat, with, with a big old feast, you know. The poor people in the, sir, in the church barely, barely have enough food to eat at home, much less to bring it and have to eat at the church, you know. And Paul said, that's not the Lord's Supper. They were doing it wrong. And... Uh, and the Bible says God chastened them for it. And here's what he says. 1 Corinthians 11.30 For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. What? And many sleep. By the way, that's God chastening believers. So sometimes they get weak. That would be obviously physical weakness. Uh, or and Sickly and many sleep. What's that? That's death. You know what? I think God's still okay with us paddling our children, okay? Because God will give one of his child the death penalty physically when he chooses. He'll just, you say, you mean they'll, they'll die and go to hell? No, a child of God can never go to hell. You're justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. A great price, but you didn't have to pay it. But God will take some home early and they'll die. Some sickness, maybe a car accident. Not all those things are, we've been through that a thousand times. Not all those things are punishments, but sometimes they are. So as a parent that loves God and knows that God may chasten my children to that extent, I think I'll go ahead and chasten them the way the Bible says to. All throughout. By the way, the Bible says that to chasten that way if you love them. If you love him, do that. For whom the Lord loveth, Hebrews 12, 6, and uh, he chasteth and scourges every son whom he receiveth. That's a New Testament passage, by the way. <laughs> I put those together, I think, yeah, God's, God, God's still good with that. <laughs> by the way, did you know sin hurts? Where do people go who never repent of their sin? They go to hell, don't they? 
wages of sin is death, and death and hell were cast into the lake, and fi- lake of fire. End of discussion. Did you know hell hurts? Hell hurts. That's why God has a spank children to teach them that sin hurts. You see. And that they'll turn from that. Turn from that. Hath not the Lord commanded discipline? Hath not the Lord commanded devotion? We are to love our children. Look what Deborah says in Judges 5.9. Now you remember what happened. Uh, Barak goes and he, he, uh, he uh, gathers together the, the people of Israel that she had appointed and, and had appointed them to. He goes, that runs down the mountain and, and God gives him a great victory over Sisera. Uh, and such and uh, others rulers from other uh, tribes around then come and join the battle and uh, and uh, there's a great victory given of, given by God and what is Deborah's uh, Deborah's uh, comment toward that uh, Judges 5.9 my heart is toward the governors of Israel that offered themselves willingly among the people bless ye the Lord she, she had a love toward those uh, rulers uh, now Barak he was you know he kind of had to make a deal with Deborah you know, will you come with me and I'll go but others they joined uh, and they weren't kind of under the same deal they came of their own of, of their own will and didn't have the conditions they came and joined and she was was blessed was was blessed in that uh, loving the children there again is that idea of never disciplining in anger the two don't go together because you don't you, you don't set your love aside when you discipline Okay. By the way, there comes a time uh, when when they grow out of the paddling. Also, someone said, "Well, what, well, uh, you know, uh, you know well, what, when's a good time for that?" You know, one lady said she used to discipline her 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 her, her son by giving him a, giving him a pinch on the shoulder. And someone said, "Well, when you can't reach a shoulder anymore, you might 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 be a little hint. It's time to, time for a different type of discipline." They grow out of that. I mean, you don't, you don't get in a wrestling match with a child, with a child you know, over whether you, whether you can spank him or not, okay? Uh, you, you do it in love. Uh, young women, uh, old women to teach the young women, Titus 2.4, uh, they are to teach them what? To love their children. To love their children. And we saw already that using that discipline that God gives shows that we love our children. He that loveth them chasteneth them be times. Uh, Deborah knew that her heart surrendered to the Lord of its own accord was the true victory. That's where we want our children to come to. They're going to make decisions, by the way, without you one day, without me. And our hope is to lay that, that, that solid foundation now so they know the Lord Jesus. So they want to, they, they, they try that. They obey our words. And, and obeying the word, knowing the Lord Jesus, they learn the doctrine is from God, and then they become founded upon it themselves and don't want to be moved from it. <laughs> Sometimes if the world would listen to its own, it'd be better off. In the 1950s, a psychologist, Stanton uh, Samenow, and a psychiatrist, Samuel Yockelson, if I'm pronouncing that right, they, they shared the conventional wisdom that, that crime is caused by environment, and they set out to prove their point. They began a 17-year study involving thousands of hours of clinical testing of 250 inmates in Washington, D.C. To their astonishment, they discovered that the cause of crime cannot be traced to environment, poverty, or oppression. Instead, crime is a result of individuals making, as they put it, wrong moral choices. This, this is not saved people, folks. Uh, in, in, in their 1977 uh, work, The Criminal Personality, they concluded that the answer to crime is a conversion of the wrongdoer to a more responsible lifestyle. I know somebody who can do that, amen. <laughs> and in fact, he's the only one who can. Amen. And his name's Jesus. In 1987, Harvard professor James Q. Wilson and Richard J. Hernstein came to the similar conclusions in their book, Crime and Human Nature. 
They determined that the cause of crime is a lack of proper moral training among young people during the morally formative years, particularly ages one to six. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Well, we already knew that. We already knew that. We just need to stick to the book, amen? We need to stick to the book. Then an encouraging word. You say, well, I'm going to train up my child. They're going to go out there and face all this false teaching that, the, that is actually hostile to the word of God now. It's come, it's come to that point uh, where the world is calling you immoral if you believe these things that we have shared here this morning. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just at least in our nation they are. I'm just, I'm just sharing you how it is, as Brother Chris was saying this morning. That's just the way it is. And the mother's going to tra train uh, uh, the child up, and the child has, is going to have the, that biblical mindset, and the devil wants her to fret. <laughs> now, now they're going to go out there, and you know what they're going to face. Oh, yeah. But I want you to know this encouragement, mom, moms and dads, when you send them out knowing the Lord, you've taught them those things, God goes with them. They don't go out there alone. They don't face those things alone. When Barak went up to the top of that hill in Judges 4-9, uh, uh, what does Deborah say? Look at Judges 4-14, actually. She says uh, to Barak, Up, for this day, this is the day in which the Lord had delivered Sisera into thine hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? Listen, you're, you are in the process of being where I told you to be, doing what I told you to do. Now I'm telling you to run down the hill toward those chariots. Doesn't sound like a very good military plan. <laughs> charging chariots, you know. You have the high ground. It's forsaking the high ground, charging into the valley to take people who have uh, however many uh, <laughs> iron chariots it was. Doesn't sound like a good military plan. Hey, when God's behind you, uh, you have all the military you need. Amen. When God's with. By the way, God had gone before them. He was already there. Oh, He'd gone before him. They'd have missed it if they haven't gone down there because God was already there. You see. And you know what? When God, when you are a mom and dad, sets your heart to set your child right at home. And you are to protect them from the evils of the world as, as, the, as the Spirit directs. Now, I know there's going to be times they go out, they'll eventually grow up and have to face those things. I know that. Well, you make sure they have a childhood first. You make sure they get uh, uh, saved as best you can and filled with the Spirit first. Amen. And then you can send them out and know they'll have the resources they need uh, to face those things. John 10, 4, when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. I like that. The sheep follow him, uh, for they know his voice. <clears throat> I'll go ahead and turn to the last point here since I'm talking about it. <clears throat> I think about this. Can you imagine how nervous Zipporah must have been when she sent out Moses? <laughs> Pharaoh at the time was killing the young males. But they saw Moses, and they knew that wasn't right. They took the risk. Zipporah, husband. And, and so they kept Moses for three months. And guess what? Then they had to take her out and put her, put, they took him out, made a little ark for him, put him where? In the, in, in the sea. Could you imagine what they're thinking? What's going to happen to Moses? What happened? Pharaoh's daughter came. Drew him out of the water. That's where he gets his name, Moses. And she is told by Moses' sister, Miriam, I know a, I know a Hebrew woman who would nurse this child for you. <laughs> she gives her right back to, right, Moses right back to his mom, and, she, and she's paid to take care of him. You know why? Because God went before him. Because <laughs> God went before him. See, she obeyed. It was scary. She did the right thing. She sent him out into the harm. But God was there, wasn't he? God was there. He went before him. I think about Hannah. 
she had no children her husband had married another wife by the name of Panina you'd find out in 1 Samuel Panina tormented Hannah Hannah begged for a child and and uh, she had told the Lord that if, if, he, if he gave her a son that she would dedicate him to the Lord and that's what she did it says uh, in 1 Samuel 1.20 came to pass when the time was come after Hannah had conceived she bare a son and called his name Samuel saying because I've asked him of the Lord but Hannah went not up uh, for she said unto her husband I will not go up until the child be weaned and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever <clears throat> you remember what happened Samuel was given to the house of Eli. By this time, he's a young boy. He's, he's, he's old enough to do the things that he's, he, he's shown doing in, in, in 1 Samuel there. But Eli's house wasn't so great, was it? He had some sons by the name of Hophni and Phinehas. And they were having their own uh, doings at the altar and stuff with women. Kind of like some of the cults of the day that worship that kind of thing. They seem to be involved in that kind of thing. And Samuel is going out into this. But what happened? God kept him, didn't he? You know why? Because God went before him. Hannah kept her word. Hannah did what God told her to do. What well, she believed God, God told her to do. And you know what? God went before her and kept him. And the Bible says Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and, and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. Amen. Amen. And I got one more. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Father sent him out into the world and he would face such oppression. He would face such persecution. He would face so, so much ungodliness. The Father sent his Son out in, into a hostile world. Uh, John 8, 29. He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. Glory! <laughs> God was with him. God was with him. His Father didn't leave him alone. Except for that time when he and the Father and the Spirit had agreed on. That time that he would die for your sins and mine. Then the Father forsook him. But they'd already agreed on that. That's an amazing thing to me, and I'll never get over that. I'll never get over that. So he sent his son into a hostile world, but the Father never, never left him alone. Except for the appointed time when he would die for the sins of the whole world, when he could actually bear those sins in his body on the tree. In some way, he was forsaken of the Father, which I guarantee you we'll never fully understand. <laughs> But I want to encourage mothers this morning. Follow this book. Be filled with the Spirit. Teach your child. Use the disciplines that are necessary. Use the love. Pour the love out upon them. Let your life be an example. Deborah was a, war, a, was a, was a warrior, so to speak. She went out and risked her life. She showed that she lived what she believed be that and then when you send them out you know what you can rest on my God's gone before them <laughs> my God my God's waiting for them you know God said to Noah come into the ark right <laughs> you're coming my I told you to come and God wasn't standing outside saying go in he said come into the ark God was going with him God will do the same thing for you and by the way I believe if we get back to this book, Rearing Children, we can have revival in our land. And I don't think it's going to come without it. It's not going to start in the church. It's certainly not going to start in the secular schools. It needs to start where? In the home, amen? In the home of Christians. In the home of those that are born again and know Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for 
all that have come out, how blessed we are that you've brought uh, these out, us all to be together. We're blessed to have those with us online too. And God, we know that salvation is that free gift that you give through faith in your son. Sin condemns us to hell. Jesus Christ, your precious son, died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day, according to 1 Corinthians 15. And now you tell us that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, if there is one under the receiving of this message who's never done that, I pray they would receive you as Savior. Simply recognize that they've sinned against you. Their punishment would be death and, and then spiritual death in hell. But you will deliver from that immediately if they will call upon your Son in faith according to the Word of God and that which has been shared this morning. Please help them, God. But Lord, like Deborah, uh, her heart was toward the rulers. In praying and preparing for this day, my heart has been toward mothers. And Father, I desire that you would help them, that you would strengthen them, God, that they would be in your word, reading and learning. And Father, that they would receive the courage, even as Deborah, uh, to be those that speak forth your word, those that have that confession in their lives, Father, and that they would be determined. Uh, God, uh, Deborah later wrote a song and said that there were many troubles until I, Deborah, rose up. I don't think she was being proud. I think she wished that some of the others, others had risen up before. But when they didn't, you called her and she didn't delay. And I pray that you give mothers that have been under the sound of your word this morning the courage not to delay, to begin today. To have revival in their hearts and to rear their children according to the word of God. And Father, would you bless them and help them to make that commitment in reading their Bible and praying and being faithful to church. And then, Lord, looking forward to what you'll do, seeing children saved, knowing God, you'll be with them. You'll go before them. Oh, God, thank you for mothers. Help them today, and I pray that uh, that they would be thankful to you for your word, for whatever in your word is spoken to them, to want them to draw closer to you. Oh, Father, help us in this, we pray. Ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.